Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right. Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Sorry for the later episode here. Again, I'm, I'm recording this, and as soon as I'm done recording it, I'm just going to upload it as fast as I can. So lots to get to. Uh, okay. You know, I'll I'll tell you this. I'm also not going to do much editing, so there's going to be a whole lot of ums and oohs and all that other stuff. I'm just going to kind of get this out there as as quickly as I can. I've got plenty to to cover here. I want to go over the election kind of briefly. Uh, certainly, the local election where I live too, the state of Ohio, which is an absolute abomination. Congratulations, Ohio! You've just increased crime and legalized murder among babies. Good work, dumbasses. Uh, yikes. Anyway, I'll tell you what, I'll start there. But I do want to say this. I have a two-part substack that is out now. The first part is all about, again, fake school shootings. And the hoax of school shootings, part one, is what, it is, what it's titled. I'll get into that a little bit later. And then tomorrow, part two will come out also that sort of wraps everything up. I continue to be shocked overwhelmingly that people are still believing these fake school shootings. And then when they find their way back into the media conversation, like with the alleged release of this uh, you know, tranny festo the other day, and people are just blindly believing it and saying, oh, look, they're hating on white people, and that's why they did this. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no proof that anybody killed anybody, and there's no proof that anybody wrote that. Certainly not some shooter. It's all done because it's a giant psychological operation. It's all done to brainwash people. It's all done to revisit and re-traumatize a particular event and remind people that this happened, quote-unquote, when it didn't happen. And I go through the substack as to why it didn't happen. Again, I've mentioned it on the show at the time, of course, but I have to remind myself, of course, that are you know, that there's always new people listening to the show and there's new people picking up on the Substack and subscribing and they've never even heard of me and they don't know what I've covered and what I've said and what I've done. So I have to revisit these issues from time to time and just remind people again that you're constantly being manipulated all of the time. And as I've said here on the show regarding these fake school shootings, it's always about broken policy. This is, it's not an accident that the media never talks with individuals who have worked in the school business or do work or previously worked in the school business. It's not an accident that Alex Jones hasn't had me back on his show. It's not an, it's not an accident that Steven Crowder b- blindly believes this also. These guys are hard on for money and they want attention. And if they can stir the emotional pot too and try to get people into believing that this actually happened when it didn't, and then maybe share, shed a fake tear over over reading the Tranifesto, well, well, then that's exactly what they're going to do. But they're not thinking objectively. They're not applying the scientific method. They aren't critically thinking about any of it and relying on all of the literature that exists and all of the lectures that have occurred and all of the evidence that exists at face value that would tell anybody that it didn't happen. So I want to make that aware to people that, again, you can share that substack if you want. There's part one, which is out now. Part two will come out tomorrow morning on Thursday. And uh, again, it was it was co-put together and co-written and co-suggested by our Michigan business friend, who is also the co-author on it. 
and um, I'm, I'm glad that they're associated with it. They gave me a great, basically a great idea, which again was busted up into two parts because I had it all written in one part and it was rather long. And uh, yeah, so I just busted it up into two parts, maybe a little more digestible. And again, you're going to read these if you still think that these happen and that these school shootings are actually real. You're going to read them and you're going to have more questions. Good. That's the point. You're supposed to have more questions. You're supposed to think a little more critically about it. Because again, blindly believing your television is not going to be the answer. It just won't. So. Okay, with that aside, here we go. Election. Was there voter fraud yesterday? Yes, there certainly was. All, already, immediately, reports coming out from Pennsylvania about, uh, again, the electronic voting machines casting the wrong entry. When they would click the yes, it would hit no. When they click no, the yes would turn on, and so on and so on. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't vote our way out of this. We can't vote our way out of these problems. And it, it, there's no way that Pennsylvania was the only place where that was the case. You're talking about school board members that that either won or lost, that should or shouldn't have. You know, I, I, I can't imagine for the life of me why voter turnout anywhere these days would be less than it has been previously. If anything, and if we've learned anything over the last six plus years, it has to be that Voter turnout has to be higher than ever before. But here's where I want to start. I want to start with Ohio and, and their two issues, issue one and issue two. Issue one had to do with legalizing abortion all the way up to the point of birth. And then issue two had to do with legalizing recreational use of marijuana. Both of these passed. This is not a good thing. And again, I've been over why this isn't a good thing, but now that they've passed, which I didn't see coming, um, I thought the weed thing might pass, but I thought the abortion thing might not. But there's a bit of a map breakdown here, which I want to go over. So let me give you the numbers first. On issue one, which had to do with the constitutional right to abortion, which it's not constitutional, but whatever. It passed with a 56.6%. Of, of the votes. So it got 2,000, I'm sorry, 2,187,592. And again, 1,675,728 voted against it. I, of course, voted against it. The county where I live, just north of Cincinnati, they, they voted for it by and large. More people voted for it in this county than not. That's too bad. Because if you look at the map breakdown, most of the rural areas did not vote for it. And as you would expect, all of the cities, well, the armpits of Ohio, which are Toledo and Cleveland, and then the sopping wet underbelly of, uh, of Ohio, Columbus, and then, of course, you know, the bottom of the sole of the slimy shoe, which is Cincinnati. Th th these places are always going to vote for their own degeneracy which is why Adolf Hitler was 100% correct when it came to the cesspool that is the city. These cities are getting worse and worse by the day and worse and worse by the voting ballot. They're voting for their own destruction. They're voting for their own higher taxes. They're voting for more crime. They're voting for more degeneracy. They have no idea what they're doing. 
And they're all wondering why things are hard. They're all wondering why people don't want to live in the cities anymore and why there's crackheads everywhere. They can't for the life of them figure it out. Well, now, not only again have they legalized abortion, but they've legalized, of course, marijuana. So how's that going to work out? But here's where it's funny. You look at the map breakdown, and in the rural areas of Ohio, which is the vast majority of Ohio, it's the whole western side for the most part, down to the city, of course. It's the south part. It's north of Columbus. And then it's the entire east side of Columbus, excluding Cleveland. When it came to the issue of marijuana, you had more individuals in the rural areas voting for it. So again, this is absolutely hilarious because all it's going to do is increase everybody's property taxes because crime is going to go up and theft is going to go up. Again, you know, I've studied this basically my entire life, certainly back when I was in college, and then I, and then I, I studied it, of course, and continued to study it through my degree programs, and then I studied it again when I was a school teacher and a health educator and teaching anatomy and physiology. When you have legalization of drugs, you have legalization, or not legalization of, but I should say you have the increased use of other drugs. And then, of course, you have increased crime. And what kinds of crime do you typically have? You have violent crime. You have theft. Again, I'm not talking about the propaganda film Reefer Madness here. All right, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that you know people are going to start axing up their families over a, over a joint. That's not. That's not what happens. It's all the other crime that occurs as a result of making that inroad. And we've always heard that phrase that, it, and it's it's true. It's cliche because it's used all the time, but it's true that marijuana is a gateway drug. Well, it's not just a gateway drug; it's a gateway set of behaviors that come with the use of marijuana. And then on top of that, you end up with, of course, more compound behaviors that tend to be negative as a result of implementing or allowing such use. Now the dispensaries are going to start popping up everywhere. Those are going to get robbed. We're already short-staffed on police officers everywhere. Now you've legalized this. And again, all the sheriff's departments, for the most part, came out and said, look, we can't legalize dope. We're already short-staffed. Legalizing it's going to increase crime in all these other avenues, and they're, and they're right, including traffic fatalities, traffic stops. Again, you can't text and drive, but now you can smoke a joint rolling down the street. I mean, I assume that that's true. I assume that that uh, there's no, you know, that there's that uh, you're you're allowed to still smoke and drive at the same time. I could have that wrong. I'm not entirely sure, but either way, that's not going to work out in the long run. But when you look at the map breakdown again, it's it's as if these people who live on this farmland that's now being overtaxed, they all of a sudden think what? That they're going to start growing dope and all their problems are going to go away? These are the same people that voted against abortion, but they voted for the legalization of marijuana. The two do not equate. That That, that makes zero sense. That's like saying, leave my babies alone, but you better not touch my weed. I mean, who does that? <laughs> Who thinks that way? They're voting for their own destruction. The state of Ohio is voting for its own destruction. And let's face it, most states are, which is why we can't vote our way out of this. 
We just can't. So congratulations, Ohio. Here's what's going to happen in the short term and the long term. Crime will increase. Your property taxes will increase. More levies will be put on more upcoming ballots in every single flipping county because more police officers are going to be run dry and run far too thin within their departments to actually enforce anything. Less crime will be enforced as if that wasn't happening already. And, and, and that's it. The cities are going to continue to crumble, continue to be cesspools. They're not going to be rebuilt. And any money that the state of Ohio thinks is that, that they're going to bring in, that, that they're actually going to save as taxpayers, is already gone. It's already gone because the amount of money that's going to cost, that it's going to cost to fix the problems of this implementation are going to be higher than if we didn't have it in the first place. So again, you can't print money. That's going to come from someone and they're going to rip it right out of your paycheck. I'm telling you what, it, uh, it, it, people's inability to make these basic connections between their take-home pay and then the things that they're voting for. And they don't see how, those, how there's a line that directly connects those two things. That if you vote for things that are going to increase taxes, have anything to do with property, business, crime, that's always going to increase taxes, which means you lose more money. You lose more take-home pay. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand why people don't, why people don't get this. It's not tough. It isn't hard to figure out. And again, people are struggling financially everywhere. But they think that legalizing abortion and legalizing dope is going to make their problems just go away. It's absolutely retarded. So there you go. That's Ohio. Now, the school board election. Let me actually very quickly, because it's not going to take much time, unfortunately, in the, in the, in the town where I live, which they call it a city, whatever, Oxford, Miami University, uh, all the regular assholes won their city council seats. Jason Bracken won, Mike Smith won, and the current mayor, Bill Snavely, won. More people, ironically enough, voted for Bill Snavely than they did the former mayor, Mike Smith, and the lunatic who doesn't think that natural immunity exists, Jason Bracken. They got 1,000, Bracken got 1,718 votes. I mean, there's 29,000 people in this town. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's not a lot of votes. That's not a lot of people voting for, for mayor or, or for, you know, basically for voting for city council. Same thing with Bill Snavely, 2,127 votes. That's it. More people voted for school board members than they did for the people who sit on, this, uh, sit on city council. I can't for the life of me figure out what these people in this town are thinking. I mean, they're mostly jabbed. We know that. It's a commune. They're brainwashed. But they're clearly incapable of rational thought. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say regarding that. So anyway, the bright side is that they're all jabbed. And as far as I'm concerned, the likelihood of them surviving their term is slim and none and slim left town. So God willing, and I'm actually hoping this happens, I know this is tasteless, but I'm hoping that one of them drops dead in the middle of a meeting, just flat out falls over. 
because I'm going to be the first one to record it, put it on the internet, and then I'm going to be the next one to show up at the next meeting when that person is gone and say, I told you so. That's going to be me. And I'll put that on the internet too, and everybody can get their clicks and, and jollies off of watching that. I'm telling you, these people are at least three to four shots deep. I'm shocked they're still breathing. But they're not getting a lot of votes. That's, that's, that's been proven. So my theory earlier in uh, an earlier episode when I was saying, look, if you have a group of people and you don't want to vote for any of them, then don't vote for any of them. Show them that they got less votes this time than they did the previous time. And clearly, when it comes to Oxford City Council, that was the case. They got less votes than they've ever gotten. Now, that's unfortunate, too, because, again, no one's really running against them. The one guy who ran against them, he got 1,292 votes. Again, why anybody would vote to put the last mayor back on city council again is beyond me. He's the guy who put in all the mask-wearing bullshit. He's the guy who kicked all the businesses to the curb. He's the guy who believed the COVID lie, along with everybody else. And this town just voted all these idiots back in. I'm telling you, you can't fix stupid. It is a certain, it is a certain special disease. It really is. Now, let me get to the school board because this was interesting. And uh, unfortunately, only one, only one new person ended up winning. So one of the three incumbents is out. And that individual happens to be a Kathleen Knight Abowitz. She's gone. And she was replaced by a former graduate of the school named Dawn King. This woman graduated, uh, oddly enough, I think with my brother in my brother's class. And she beat her by 400 votes. Here's where, again, this gets really embarrassing. The other two nitwits, who are the incumbents, received more votes than anyone's ever received on city council. Chris Otto got 3,941 votes, and Rebecca Howard, who can hardly spell, got 3,961 votes. That's ridiculous. Now, this is kind of a tight race. The other two guys who are running... Uh, again, against the incumbents, an Ivan Carver and an Andrew Langsner. Andrew Langsner, nobody knew. He got 2,849 votes, and Ivan Carver got 3,234 votes. I mean, he lost, but not by a ton. You know, a few hundred votes and, uh, well, you know, I don't know. Let's see, six, seven hundred votes, and he, he would have ousted somebody else. But this right here proves, well, first of all, I'll say this about Kathleen Knight Abowitz. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Adios. No one's going to miss you. Everybody hates you. You're an abomination. I'll start there. This is also the woman who I've played audio on the show before, previously. This is the staunch Maoist. This is, ironically enough, also a professor at Miami University who's in the Department of Educational Leadership. The irony. And she can't win against a previous graduate who has no education experience whatsoever. I love it. <laughs> it's just, it's perfect. <laughs> it's just perfect. How embarrassing. She's also a member of the League of Women Voters. So that's embarrassing too because she thinks it's the 1920s all over again. Um, and she's constantly living in that illusion. 
and delusion, I should say. What else? What else about old Kathleen Knight Abowitz? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I could rail on about her all day long. She was also rather the individual, I should say this, she was the individual who openly said in the audio that she was going, that she was the only one running on the ballot all in favor of a levy. She wanted a levy on the next ballot. That was going to be her thing. She was going to do it no matter what. We have to have a levy. We have to have a levy. Well, she's gone now. So that's one less vote for a future levy. Unfortunately, everybody else is going to vote for a levy. Now, all Don King has to do, the new person sitting on this school board, is not vote for a levy. That's all she has to do. All she has to do is cut the waste, cut the bullshit, and not vote for a levy, and she'll get more votes the next time around, and everybody else will get less. Now, unfortunately, we have to listen to these other idiots for another, you know, another four years, which is too bad. Because again, they're they're not the sharpest knives by any stretch. The other problem, too, of course, is that these were all the people who in, imposed the mask wearing abuses on children, and they haven't taken any responsibility for it. People actually voted these people in, and they voted them back with more votes this time than previously four years ago. I want that to I want that to sink in with everybody. Think about that. That means that throughout the last three years of human abuse and psychological warfare, the people of this town voted them back in when they were the ones who went along with it in the first place, which means the voters must have gone along with it, which apparently they did. And I don't know what else to say. Now, yeah, these people didn't win by a lot. You know, it was a few hundred, uh, you know, few hundred, five hundred votes is all they won by. But either way, people are voting for their slavery. They absolutely love it. Now, much like city council, I'll say this too, and I know it's tasteless, but these individuals are jabbed to the bone also. So God willing, one of them will fall over face first onto the table during a board meeting. I'll record it, put it on the internet, and then I'll show up back at the school board meeting and I'll say, I told you so. I know how that sounds. I know how I sound. But ladies and gentlemen, again, I've brought it up here on the show. We can't vote our way out of this. The school system the school system is collapsing. There is no doubt. And I have no doubt that in the next 4 years with these nitwits sitting on the school board that there's going to be more levies. There will be one next year, the year after that, so on and so on. They're going to try and they will fail. But where people aren't thinking, and clearly they're not thinking, the numbers here prove it, is that they're consistently putting people on these school boards who want a levy. These are the same people that led your entire school district into the tank, academically, financially, and every other way. Immorally, these are the same people that allowed for child abuse to occur at the hands of a former employee without firing him, they just let him resign when they should have fired him because he broke his contract, broke his policy, and broke the law. But they don't want to fire people. They just want to let people just disappear into the ether. You've heard me say it before. The only thing worse than a pedophile 
is a pedophile apologist. And this town just voted for two pedophile apologists in Rebecca Howard and Chris Otto. It's embarrassing. Now, yeah, Kathleen Knight Abowitz being gone is a good thing. She's an abomination. She's disgusting. But even so, Don King, who won, is in over her head. This woman's in over her head. And I, I have it from an inside source who's openly said that, look, she doesn't know what she's gotten into here. This isn't, this isn't what she wanted. She actually thought, again, that she was going to be on a board with a majority. Well, now she's going to find out she's in the minority. And here's the problem. If she doesn't have the stones to, to, to go against these people on the board and vote against everything that they vote for, then she's just going to be like the rest of them. And what do we know? And again, I'm not bashing women here. That's not what I'm doing. But what do we know about many women in positions like this? They tend to be agreeable. They're just agreeable. Don King's going to vote yes for things that they're all going to vote yes for. This is a mistake. You have to make it abundantly clear that you're voting against everything that they're voting for. And if you're the no vote every single time, then good. You're supposed to be. That's why people put you there in the first place. If they're putting in a measure to buy a new lawnmower to cut the baseball field and they all vote yes, you vote no. It works that it's that simple. Vote no on everything. Well, we need to replace the water fountains. Vote no. Well, there's a broken toilet in the in the bathroom. Vote no. And fix it yourself. Just keep voting no. But that's not going to happen. She'll vote yes for a number of things, and it's going to be too bad. So again, it's multiple heads of the same snake. It's multiple fingers on the same corroded gangrene hand. It isn't going to change anything. The school district is crumbling because all school districts are crumbling. It just depends on who's going to be underneath the House of Cards when the House of Cards falls permanently. And that's what we're seeing here. These are the people who are going to be there when the entire thing crumbles. Not a single person who ran for school board in the town where I live brought up the shots as being a problem, higher taxes as being a problem, COVID and that entire psychological operation lie as being a problem. And the reason they didn't bring it up is because they went along with it. They all wore the mask. They all took the shots. You can't fix that. Those people are gone. They're too far gone. Which leads me to this larger point, and then I'm going to get away from the election here. My larger point with this, I think, is that not only can we not vote our way out of this, and I'm not blackpilling, okay? I understand that people are still waking up. I fully get it. But I want to use a school metaphor and a math class metaphor. If you attended an American K-12 school when you were younger, even now, I would assume it's still the same way. Remember when you would stay home from school sick and then you would go back the next day or a couple days later and it felt as if you had missed a week of school or even more than that, in particular in math class? 
Does anybody remember that? I can't be the only person who had that feeling. That when you went back, it was like, okay, the other subjects, yeah, you can catch up on them, no problem. But it was like math class was the hardest because there was a there was a very specific linear order in which you were taught that information. And if you missed a day, then it was like you were missing a piece of the puzzle. It was like you're trying to put a chain together, but when you look backwards, there's an entire link missing. And so you would have to go back and relearn how to do that in order to then jump forward to learn how to relearn what you were actually doing now. That's how I feel about the waking up process among people these days. If they aren't already awake by now, and even making some of the more basic connections, like voter turnout needs to be higher than ever before, how on earth could you vote for abortion and the murder of children? How could you do this? Uh, why would you vote for the legalization of an, Ill- of an illicit drug? I, I, I don't get it. CBD already exists. If you want to get high, smoke CBD. Drink an entire, uh, an entire vial of the oil. If getting loaded is your, is your motivation, you can already do that. But again, people aren't thinking. So my point is, is that I think we're past the point of no return here when it comes to people waking up. I know that's a huge black pill to some extent, but I really feel that way. I feel like, and it's not just because it's the day after an election, I feel like that's the case here. The people who are not awake aren't going to wake up fast enough in order to make any kind of a real difference. And the people who are awake, like us, for example, I would, I would hope most of us, many of us, again, as you've heard me say, I'm speaking for myself, again, I'm an abolitionist. I don't want these schools to exist anymore. I don't want these city councils to exist anymore. I want them all gone. The thread that runs through it, of course, is the bioweapon, as I've said before. That's the thread that, you know, people aren't considering. They're wondering why they have that nagging cough that they just can't get rid of. Well. We know why. But again, if more individuals, I I guess I I have to say this because it's the most objective thing to say too. I guess if awake people don't run for these positions, then nothing will change. But what are we seeing when it comes to when awake people run for these positions? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, even outsiders who are dead asleep, who are simply opposing these individuals who are running, or these incumbents, even they aren't winning. Which means, again, I think about it situationally and mathematically to some extent, why would an awake person win? Why would an awake person get more votes than an outsider that no one knows who is interested in fiscal responsibility on a school board and that person loses, again, why would an awake person win who speaks more truth than that person because they know more? I don't think they would. I don't think they would win. I think they'd lose. You know, again, name-calling aside, although everybody would start being called names, you know, they're a conspiracy theorist, and uh, they're radical, and they're, they're this and they're that. Well, that you know that that just has to do with your inability to think and and name calling of course is a rationalization of a lack of understanding 
So I, I just I just think that we are past a point of no return here is my ultimate end to this rant. I, I think we're, we're we're past the point of people being able to really wake up. These people are going to, the, the people who have been asleep over the last six years are still going to be asleep. I mean, we've been hit over the head with a frying pan over the last decade plus. Why people can't understand what's gone on in the world over the last six years is beyond me. Again, there's no, there's no flipping way. <laughs> I got I to gotta get into this. There's no way that you read those Q posts and you don't learn something. So the only people who weren't reading them were the people who didn't want to think. The only people not reading those Q posts were the people who blindly dismissed it as being some conspiracy theory, quote unquote, but they didn't want to look into it and learn. Hell, these people don't even know what Substack is. You, you mention Substack and they go, what's that? You mention Gab, they go, what's that? You say, have you ever been on Telegram? Do you know what Telegram is? What's that? They don't have a clue. These people are still on Facebook gossiping about their kids. They don't know that there are social media platforms with the truth on a day-in and day-out basis. They have no idea. And these are the people still running for office, and these are the people who are losing. And they're running against radical Democrats, so to speak, and they're still losing. I just don't think that people like me, if I ran for school board, which I never would, again, I wouldn't do it. I would do it knowing I was going to lose, and I would only do it knowing that I'd try to wake up some people along the way. But I would tell everybody throughout the entire time, I'm going to lose. And it's not reverse psychology. I would openly say, I'm going to lose. And I'm going to lose because all of you dumbasses are still dead asleep, and you don't know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like speaking a foreign language to you, and you don't get it. These people, again, they're, they're out to lunch. But as the meme says, and as the meme goes, you get what you effing deserve. You get what you vote for. So Ohio has just voted for the legalization of baby murder up to birth. Oh, look, the baby came out. Let's kill it. Congratulations, Ohio. And they're going to do it while they're higher than a hippie on a helicopter. Good for them. All while they're sending their children still to American K-12 schools, which are abusing children on a day-in and day-out basis, curriculum, ideology, politics, and the entire routine itself all combined, wrapped into one. How do you fix that? <laughs> anybody have that magical answer? How do you fix that? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I will say this, though. One last thing regarding school board members. And again, it, I think it continues to show how brainwashed people are. Certainly the individuals that are still sending their children to these indoctrination torture chambers. They're still, they're still believing that they can vote their way out of it. They still think that, oh, if, I, if my school board member wins, the one that I voted for, then they'll turn things around. That is impossible. It does not work that way. I've been over it step by step, policy by policy on this show. 
state law dictates that certain things have to happen. Certain things need to exist. But the power that gets wielded at the local level can eliminate some things. You don't need the DEI nonsense. You don't need to be associated with education associations or superintendent associations or uh, school board associations or any of these other outside influencers that are twisting the gears of the local apparatus at the local level. You don't need to be affiliated with any of those. You should vote your way out of it, but it takes knowing that in order to vote your way out of it. But the board members don't know this. They all go along with it because it's the same old, same old. Again, you heard Dr. Howard on this show. I played her audio. She openly said, we're not going to change anything. She openly said it. We just need to keep working together and moving in the same direction, and we just need to keep, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, what does that mean for everybody then? It means nothing's going to change. And you voted for it. You voted for her. Why? Again, I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my head around the level of stupidity where I live. It's astounding. And it's not the only, I mean, it's not the only place. This is everywhere. It's everywhere. Again, even if every single radical left-wing incumbent left a school district and all the staunch right-wing conservatives showed up, okay, it wouldn't fix anything. They're still insolvent. They're still teaching lies. It's still an indoctrination camp. You can't get rid of that. You still have terrible administrators. You still have terrible brainwashed educators who are brainwashing the people that are in their rooms. No one knows this. And you still expect a a, a vote for a school board member to just make everything go away. You have to be conscious of the problem in order to solve the problem. And no one's conscious of the real problem. Which is why, again, abolition is the only way forward. But these are not parents, ladies and gentlemen, making these votes for school board members. These are not parents and people that are going to pull their children out. They're still going to keep voting for people because they think that their vote is going to change their lives and change the lives of their children. The only people that can change the lives of their child are the parents. And you do that by pulling your children out of school permanently. That collapses the school district financially overnight. Voting for a new name for school board is never going to fix it. Voting for the same old name on school board that's running again for the same position, that isn't going to fix it either. That's only going to speed up the process. So if there's a silver lining in it, well, it just means that you just voted for the collapse of the school district at a faster pace. I'm fine with that. I would like to see it happen even faster with everybody pulling them out overnight at the exact same time and saying, we're done. We're done. And again, I've been through the step-by-step process as to what that would actually mean if that actually happened and who would actually get involved. The state would get involved. And they'd say, well, what the hell's going, going on here? And then everybody would get in their cars and start driving around to the different homes and begging them to send their children back to the school. And every single parent should look those people in the face and say, go F yourselves. Beat it. Get off my property. You're trespassing. 
If you stay on here longer, I'm going to shoot you. We're homeschooling our children now. Goodbye. You can't make bodies show up to a K-12 school board. I'm sorry, a, a K-12 school. You, you just can't. The only people that are still going are the brainwashed. Which, uh, again, they're just going to keep going. They're not going to shake themselves out of it. They're just going to keep trying to vote their way out. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done ranting. I'm repeating myself now at this point, but you get it. It's ridiculous, and it's just going to keep being that way, so whatever. But I'll, I'll again, I'll still watch the board meetings. I'm still going to bring you know, their asinine ideas to the forefront here because watching the collapse while eating a giant bowl of popcorn is rather interesting. I have to admit, it really is. It's and it's it's maddening and entertaining at the exact same time. But you get what you deserve. And frankly, you deserve this. So here it comes. Okay. Let me rant a little bit about the tranny festo here that came out again from uh from the fake Nashville shooting. I was I I went over it in real time on this show uh when that shooting didn't happen. And all the policies that were broken as a result of it not happening. And I can't believe that people are still buying this. That uh, they're still paying into this $2.8 billion school security system and being manipulated psychologically by all of these lies and these Freemasonic lies. There are a million reasons, and I'm not going to revisit all of them, as to why the Nashville thing didn't happen. I just want to focus more specifically on this subject, which is the reason that those journal entries, those three pages, were leaked. First of all, I don't think they were leaked. Second of all, I don't think that the so-called shooter who was on surveillance carrying the gun inside of the building, I don't think they wrote it. Um, I have no proof that they did, which means, sorry, you know, innocent until proven guilty. I don't think, I don't think they wrote it. I didn't see any tape recording of them writing it. I have no proof that uh, an FBI agent didn't write it. Where this gets really embarrassing for the people like Alex Jones, Steven Crowder, Stu Peters, and, and these other people that are going along with it, is they take that story at face value they believe it, they run with it, and then they get all emotional about it all over again. Again, I, I, I mentioned it right at the beginning of the show that this particular episode anyway, although I've said it numerous times, and certainly I say it in the recent Substack article, that the media individuals that blindly buy this without thinking and these are the individuals who are on the so-called truth or the you know, truth side of things, or the, um, hell, what's it called? The alternative media. They're showing their true colors here, that there's only so much thinking that they're capable of doing at one time. Excuse me, I'm belching at the exact same time here. They're only, they're only capable of so much thought. They don't want for the life of them to think that that entire event was recorded at multiple times that endless school policies were broken, and that what we might want to do is bring in someone who used to work in these buildings, who knows the policy, and can visibly see on video, because these are all videotaped now, that endless policy is being broken. So 
What gives? Again, let me revisit Uvalde very quickly. Remarkably embarrassing, I might add. Uvalde was hands down one of the worst fake school shootings I've seen. I mean, Sandy Hook took the taco. That was, that was poorly done for, for endless reasons. But because first and foremost, the building was not a school anymore. It was a book depository. Now, with Sandy Hook aside for a minute, Uvalde was embarrassing because what did they tell you? They told you this guy walked into a building which people saw in surveillance footage and that he shot his way through the door of a locked door, allegedly, or shot his way into the door or locked himself inside or what, however the story went. And then when you saw the, the body cam footage from the police officers, there wasn't a single bullet hole in the door, in the classroom door, not one. The glass wasn't broken. They didn't punch their hand through the glass, reach around, and then grab the doorknob from the inside and open the door. That didn't happen either. They didn't barricade themselves inside among all that, all those bodies and all that blood. That didn't happen either. Not a single body, not a single drop of blood. And people just believe it. I heard Steven Crowder the other day again. He's a character, this one. Wife abuser. Pretty desperate for money, apparently. Uh, you know, alimony payments probably coming down the pike. Child custody battle, the whole thing. This dude's hard on for cash. So he's going to do whatever he has to do to stir the pot so that he can get some support. And you've got Alex Jones yelling at everybody on his show to support Steven Crowder. He needs, he needs money. He needs funding. He needs this. He needs that. And then ironically enough, this trainee festo shows up, which makes zero sense. Because on this manifesto, which is clearly, it's clearly written by someone else, they actually say there's an entire page dedicated to a schedule of what they're to do that day, including what time to get up, what time to get dressed, and what time to eat breakfast. Ladies and gentlemen, who does that who's about to engage in murder? Nobody. Nobody does that. That's stupid. Now, I know, again, as I say in the substack, someone would say, well, Sean, they're a murderer. They're not thinking clearly anyway, so, you know, they're insane. They would write that they're going to eat Fruit Loops before they go kill a bunch of kids because that's what a crazy person would say. That's possible. That's possible. It's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. The whole reason that this fake manifesto was written was to provide motive. Because people were saying, well, what's the motive? They used to go to this school as a student, but what's the motive? You don't need motive to actually commit a crime. Some people just commit crimes because they get off on committing crimes. This particular individual, though, didn't kill anybody. I don't think they killed anybody. There's no proof of it. There's no video footage of them actually murdering anyone. So why am I to believe that they killed somebody? Because I trust the mainstream media? Because I trust Alex Jones, Stephen Crowder, and Joe Biden? Do you see the wavelength of thought here? People just revert back so quickly to their old way of thinking that they forget that when they do that, they're agreeing with the likes of Joe Biden. 
sorry, and the, and the mainstream media, the mockingbird media. They're all saying that that person killed people. Why do you all of a sudden believe them again? But again, it's a, it's a very quick two-part substack. I highly recommend checking out the first part today. You can check out the second part tomorrow. Who knows? I might throw, I might throw together a third part because there are aspects of, of thinking that, uh, you know, that, that I've left out that I said on the show back when I was recording the show during these fake school shootings. But I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily count on that. Like I've said, the bridge has been crossed here. You know, the line's been crossed. There's only so much, I think, that we can keep trying to wake people up as to what's really going on in the world before eventually they just have to figure it out for themselves. You know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink. Sometimes you can't lead a horse to water at all. And we know what happens when, when that happens. So I don't know. That's kind of my, that's my two cents on that. All right, moving on. Speaking of people being dead asleep, and actually, I would argue that they're falling further into the matrix with every passing day. And that has to do with the likes of two individuals that I've referenced on the show with regularity. That's Glenn Beck and Chris Plant. Now, in typical fashion, as I do, uh, before I'll exercise, I immediately turn on these two nitwits to figure out what they're talking about. I want to focus specifically on Chris Plant here. He, again, is on uh, 105.9 WMAL, Washington's Mall, the Chris Plant Show. He is, uh, he, he's lost it. He's lost his mind. He's not getting younger by the day, as we all know. I mean, he's an older guy, but um, he's beyond brainwashed. And he doesn't even hear his own hypocrisy and his own bias and his own irrational thought. So here's what he brought up. Regarding Israel and the Middle East and what's happening there, which again, lots is happening on a variety of different wavelengths of thought and different dimensions, none of which he'll bring up because he can't grasp even the first dimension. But he actually said this regarding two particular stories. You may have heard that the other day, there was a story on Stanford's campus in Palo Alto that apparently some white guy, so they so the story goes. I wasn't there. I don't know if it happened or not. Again, you can see my wavelength of thought here. Just because it's brought up on the old TV and on Twitter doesn't mean it happened. But there was apparently a white guy in a van who hit a pro-Palestinian protester or student or something along those lines and either maimed or killed them as a result. I don't know if that happened or not. But it was reported. There was also this, this story on the opposite end of the spectrum. There was an older gentleman standing on a street corner, appeared to be standing there by himself on, a, on what appeared to be a rather large four-way intersection, but there were hardly any cars around whatsoever. And all of a sudden, he's standing there, of course, and he's waving a Israeli flag from a flagpole. Again, older gentleman, striped shirt, tucked into his jeans, whatever. And he's standing there, and as the story goes, a pro-Palestinian individual came up to him, hit him in the face with the pro-Palestinian's uh, megaphone, knocking the guy to the ground, and then the guy died. And now, the sheriff's department 
is looking into this as a potential quote-unquote hate crime. Now, let's, <laughs> I can't believe this, let's actually, let's actually dive into this just for a quick second. Here's all you saw online about this particular guy holding the flagpole. He's holding the flagpole, he turns to his right, and someone clearly is videoing him and or taking a picture of him. But there's video of him waving the flag, and he's not necessarily saying anything, he's just standing there. And then the video stops and there's no video. The next clip you see, which is the only one that exists, is him on his back with a little bit of blood on his face, so it looks like. The flag's on the ground. One older gentleman is standing next to him. The man who has allegedly been knocked down is still moving and talking. He's alive. And then there's a woman kneeling down next to him that appears to be pro-Palestinian or pro-Palestine, and she has a Palestinian flag on her and a backpack that says uh, Free Palestine or something along those lines. That clip, that video clip, is quite literally three seconds long. And just like that, we're all supposed to believe that he was killed because he's Jewish and that he, in fact, died. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. These false flags and these psychological operations, ladies and gentlemen, happen with such regularity and such frequency that if you keep falling for it every single time, you're going to be led right down a path of nothing but destruction. I would always rather sit on the, on the side with a smile on my face that, oh, really? It, they said someone died? Whatever. And then, I, and then I'm not going to believe it. What is far more believable are the clips that are showing up on Gab. I saw a clip the other day on one of the other boards that I, that I frequent and pay attention to that was clearly caught in four, you know, 4K, 10K, whatever, high def, and it was on uh, some, from someone's cell phone pulling a child out of rubble from what appears to be Gaza. You can make that assumption anyway. And what you can't do is erase this out of your mind because you can't fake this. This was real. There was a man pulling a child out, and the child's skull was crushed and gone. It was completely gone. The left side of their head was gone. The right side was still attached to their neck, but the left side of this child's skull was gone. I saw that with my own eyes. Now, yes, it was a video in a location I've never been, and no, I was not there, but that's far more believable than watching an old man on, uh, lying on their back, looking rather casual, with what appears to be a couple of scrapes on his face, because he was allegedly hit and knocked to the ground, and we're just supposed to believe that just like that presto changeo, they died. Sorry, I don't buy that. I'm far more likely to buy the video footage of a child with their head blown out than I am an old-timer on the ground, still talking, with a couple of scrapes on his face, and then, again, us believing that, that they're dead. 
I'm just so disappointed that people keep buying this. And Chris Plant blindly believed the, and immediately believed the old Jewish guy waving the flag, being hit and falling down and dying. He believed that immediately. And he was telling the story of the Stanford student or person on the Stanford campus being hit by a bus or being hit by a van with a white guy driving it. He didn't believe that story at all. He was telling it as if that didn't happen, but he was telling it as if the other one happened and he was certain that it happened. He, he cannot hear the hypocrisy in his own voice when he talks. He's incapable of it. Again, the, these people are jabbed, ladies and gentlemen. Chris plants too deep. He's two shots deep. Uh, he took the Johnson & Johnson, if memory serves, or one Johnson & Johnson and one Pfizer. And uh, he's even had to report himself on the hypocrisy of the entire shot rollout and how it was method, you know, medically unethical and a thousand other things. And he doesn't understand that he participated in it, that the egg is on his face, that he's the one eating the crow. Again, th these people are not thinking. And, and they, they aren't getting better with, with every passing day. Every lie that they believe just means they're going to believe another lie. The next lie that rolls around, they're more likely to believe it, and so on and so on. It's awful. All right, I'm going to shift gears here now, and let me get into a few more education-related things. I put this document out on Gab. This came out from the U.S. House of Representatives, the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. If memory serves again, this is either Jim Comer's committee or, uh, or Jim Jordan's committee, one of the two. I could have that both wrong, not entirely sure, but either way, this is titled The Weaponization of Disinformation, quote-unquote, Pseudo-Experts and Bureaucrats, How the Federal Government Partnered with Universities to Censor Americans' Political Speech. Yes. Now, what does this mean in the big picture? We sh this shouldn't shock us, certainly not, not this audience, you're a smart group. You, kn you know exactly what this means. This means that the universities and the federal government hate you. This means that the universities and the federal government worked against you to censor anybody who said anything alternative to the mainstream message regarding the COVID jab and a thousand other things, in particular, election integrity. When it came specifically to an election integrity and voter fraud, the universities were partnering with the likes of cybersecurity and infrastructure and the Department of Justice, along with, again, other particular election-related groups and, of course, big tech. And they were all doing this against us. This is a violation of how many amendments? This is a violation of how many laws? I could read the entire executive summary. Uh, it's six pages long. I'm not going to do that. It's actually seven pages long. I'm not going to do that, but I will say this. I'll just read the last paragraph. It says this. It says, The committee and the select subcommittee are responsible for investigating violations of the civil, civil liberties of citizens of the United States. In accordance with this mandate, the interim staff report on CISA violations of the First Amendment and other un unconstitutional activities 
fulfills the obligation to identify and report on the weaponization of the federal government against American citizens. The committees in the select subcommittee's investigation remains ongoing. CISA still has not adequately complied with a subpoena for relevant documents and more fact-finding is necessary. In order to better inform the committee's legislative efforts, the committee and the select subcommittee will continue to investigate how the executive branch worked with social media platforms and other intermediaries to censor disfavored viewpoints in violation of the U.S. Constitution. And who's going to go to jail for this? Nobody. It's an open admission through an investigation and through email leaks, through FOIA requests. And they've got the emails in this document. Again, this is a lengthy document. It's 200 and, I'm sorry, it's 104 pages. And again, a lot of these have to do with leaked emails and government officials in these agencies going back and forth and saying, well, what are we going to do about this messaging? And what are we going to do about that messaging? And so on and so on. Again, not just regarding voter fraud, but regarding a variety of issues. But again, a lot of it has to do with election integrity. Again, they're trying to tell you and gaslight you into believing that 2020 wasn't stolen. They're trying to gaslight you into believing that 2022 wasn't stolen. They're trying to gaslight you into believing that voter fraud doesn't exist. And this is your own government. This is our government. This is, again, they are our enemy. That's what this document continues to show, as they all are. They continue to be our enemy. And there's no way around it. Now, speaking of universities and speaking of fraud, there was this story too, which is not surprising, but certainly interesting. It's from the New York Post, and it's titled, Harvard has a secret backdoor for ultra-rich kids with lousy grades. Here's what it says. It says, what does Harvard University do when faced with well-connected applicants, the children of mega-donors or other highly influential people? who have less than ideal SAT scores and GPAs. They put them on the Z list, according to a college admissions coach. That means that the students are advised to matriculate after taking a gap year, making them so-called data ghosts, quote-unquote, meaning their lackluster academic statistics are not reported in the incoming freshman class. That way, Harvard doesn't take a hit to its stellar academic averages or institutional rankings. Data manipulation, for the purposes, again, of making themselves look better than they are and receiving more donations and more money and protecting themselves, of course. That's that's all it is. They still want to get the money from the people. They still want to let the bodies come in because the bodies have checks with them, and they still want all of that to happen but they don't want the bad people, so to speak, to fudge their numbers in a negative way because that, again, would further destroy their bottom line, so to speak. And certainly their funders might not like that, and they don't want their funders to find out about that, and then, yeah. They're sneaky because they're criminals. Again, I I just don't understand why people continue to participate in this, and the only reason that they do is because they're dead asleep. It's the only reason they keep participating in these kinds of systems and these kinds of institutions. 
It says, quote, if Harvard doesn't want the student hurting their U.S. News and World Report ranking, see what I mean? With their GPA and test scores, they admit them through the Z list. Brian Taylor, managing partner of Manhattan-based college admissions firm Ivy Coach, told The Post, while Harvard's law and medical schools both pulled out of the U.S. News and World Report college rankings, the university at large has not. It says, quote, it often means that the student really doesn't qualify for admission on their own, unquote. It says roughly 60 students get a spot on the Z list annually and are sent a letter that effectively says, we would be pleased to consider your admission in one year. They're not reapplying, Taylor explained. They're admitted and they're guaranteed a spot in a year. So they just hide them. They hide them off the list because, again, it makes them look better in the immediate, and then they sneak them in through the back door, and then they don't have to count them. It's disgusting. It's just, they're immoral cesspools. I'm not sure what else to say, really. They're just immoral cesspools. Okay, let me shift gears one more time here, and I'll slide right into the jab-related stuff. I have a great deal, but before I do, I want to mention this. If you're like me, you're looking for insurance, and uh, fortunately, I just signed up for insurance, and my plan was approved, which is great. What's interesting, which I always do this first, because I I shop around, you know, I'm a healthy guy. I I never go to the doctor, don't go to the hospital, thank God. Of course, knock on wood, you know, now I'll break a leg or something. But, uh, what ends up typically happening is, is every single year I used to have somebody else shop around for me, you know, an actual agent. But then I learned how to do it, and I just do it on my just do it on my own. It's not difficult, um, but it was easier having them do it for me. I thought so. Anyway, last couple of years I've been doing it on my own, and the first thing I do is I always go right back to the same insurance plan that I have. I type in the same information because I want to see how the price changed. If the price changed, well, wouldn't you know it? Not only did the price change from my old policy uh, from a year ago to now, but the policy increased by double. It doubled in cost. So that's not good. But I decided to not, of course, go with that policy because I'm not a crazy person. So I ended up finding a, a far cheaper policy. Here was the interesting part, too. Not only did I find a cheaper policy through the same group, But the questions that they're asking now on these health insurance policies, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't seen them before. I certainly didn't see them three years ago. I don't even think I saw them two years ago, but I see them now. And the questions specifically have to do with HIV. You can't make that up. I took some screenshots, and I want to read a couple of these for you because uh, they're telling. I think they're rather telling. Here are the eligibility questions that I was asked before I went through this process here. Um, Answer the questions and you'll be asked and blah, blah, blah. And subsequent screens will electronically transfer to your application. Okay. Question number one. During the past five years, rather, has any applicant been declined for insurance by a carrier other than your insurance company due to health reasons? The answer, of course, is no. 
Then it asks you again, how long have you lived in the United States? Uh, have you lived here less than 12 months? Of course, the answer is no. Then it continues. And this again is where it gets a little more juicy. Number three, uh, is the applicant currently pregnant, uh, an expected parent, or in the process of adopting a child or undergoing infertility treatment? I found that rather interesting. I don't recall ever having to answer that before, but either way. And then it says this. Again, this is actually, these next two questions are where it gets really juicy. Number four, within the past five years, has any applicant received medical or surgical consultation, advice or treatment, including medication for any of the following? Blood disorders, liver disorders, kidney disorders, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorders, COPD, or emphysema? Diabetes, cancer, multiple sclerosis, heart or circulatory system disorders, including high blood pressure, Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis, or alcohol and or drug abuse, or immune system disorders. Now, I know that they've always asked similar questions, but the immune system disorders part is, is the interesting part to me. That's, that's the red flag. Then question five says, during the past 12 months, has any applicant been advised to undergo any test except for HIV test, treatment, hospitalization, or surgery, which has not been completed or for which results have not yet been received? Again, do you have any outstanding tests that are, that are existing? And then six, question six. Within the last five years, has any applicant received a diagnosis or treatment for HIV infection from a doctor or other licensed clinical professional or had any, or I'm sorry, had a positive test for HIV infection performed by a doctor or other licensed clinical professional, excluding an initial positive test that further testing showed to be false? Why the HIV questions now? Why all the HIV commercials on TV and in YouTube, uh, YouTube ads? I don't even watch television, and I'm already and I'm reading on on these boards that I'm on. People are consistently saying, "Turned on the TV the other day, I was hit with three HIV commercials in a span of six minutes." Again, why? Why the billboards for HIV? Don't forget your HIV test. Why is that happening all of a sudden? Hmm. What could it possibly be? Now, again, HIV doesn't exist. The fairy tale of HIV exists, and the, and the false test exists. The immune response, quote-unquote, test exists, and the test for testing low T-cell count exists. Those are all real, which, again, is AIDS. But lowered immune systems and depleted immune systems and depleted T-cell counts in one's bloodstream, that's all real. But again, unfortunately, people aren't connecting the dots between their increased insurance rates, what that means and why that's the case, and why they're seeing all of these HIV commercials on TV and all these HIV questions now on insurance policies. Do you have a lowered immune system within the last five years? Lots of people are saying that. Lots of people, again, who are jabbed, who are going to the doctors, are going, you're immune compromised because it was the shots. That's why. That's what did it. Now, this came out the other day. Children's Health Defense, again, 
you know, having everything to do not just with insurance, and I'll get into that in a second, but but this this came directly from the FDA. It said the following, quote, the FDA is not required to take the COVID-19 vaccine or other COVID-19 shots off the market, an agency spokesman told the Epoch Times via email. They said, quote, with over a billion doses of the mRNA vaccines administered, no safety concerns related to the sequence of or amount of residual DNA had been identified. It says with regard to the FDA-approved mRNA vaccines, no, they're just approved for emergency use authorization. They're not approved by the FDA for regular use. It says available scientific evidence supports the conclusion that they are safe and effective. Unquote, the spokeswoman added. The FDA did not provide any evidence to back up its position. Unquote. It's not going away. They're not pulling the shots off the market. It isn't happening. They're, they're full steam ahead, and it isn't going anywhere. That leads me to this, actually, very quickly before I get into the insurance stuff even a little bit more. This was also from the Epoch Times. Give this particular thing a listen, this audio here. Uh, the host for one of their shows is reading a document that essentially says that now at airports and other transportation outlets, but specifically airports, they're now the, the CDC has now recommended that passengers get tested for a plethora of illnesses, so to speak, before they board. Again. You need the fairy tale, ladies and gentlemen, of airborne illness in order to convince people to give up their rights and to not understand that the entire thing is in fact a fairy tale. Because if it leads to this, that now this is available and going to take place and all this fake testing for things that don't exist are going to take place in airports, what comes next? Well, what comes next is, is you're not allowed to travel unless you provide yourself a positive test of something. And it's even been said on other radio shows, this is where the app comes in. This is where all the phone applications come in. You can't do X, Y, and Z unless you have a phone application that allows you to enter said place where you can prove that you're not ill. Because all these places are still believing the fairy tale. They're believing the fairy tale of asymptomatic spread, which doesn't exist. They're believing the fairy tale of airborne illness, which doesn't exist. They're believing the fairy tale of coughing and sneezing on people and that getting someone sick. That doesn't exist. They're believing that vaccines and shots prevent, reduce illness in our actual medicine. That doesn't exist. But here's the Epoch Times audio in three, two, one. Without much or any media fanfare, the CDC quietly released a statement announcing the expansion of what they call a traveler-based genomic surveillance program. And while this particular program was first introduced during the pandemic, specifically to screen for COVID, this announcement from the CDC informs us that they are now expanding the program to screen for over 30 different pathogens outside of COVID. 
Now, according to the CDC, the way that this program will be implemented in practice in airports across the whole country will be threefold. For one, it will involve taking nasal swabs of arriving passengers. Secondly, it will involve testing the aircraft wastewater. And thirdly, it will also involve testing samples of the wastewater in several different major airports. However, it is worth noting here that, at least at this very moment, this program is designed for monitoring the macro conditions rather than individuals. But it will be individuals eventually. That's the, that's the plan. That's the inching your way down this nefarious path, one step at a time, in order to, again, eliminate everyone's rights. They're already doing nasal swabs for people who come into our country, testing for something that does not exist, as if that nasal swab test is accurate, which it is not. COVID was your 9-11. This right here is your new TSA. This is your new Patriot Act. Again, it's just the same. It's the same plan over and over and over again. And the more that people believe it, the more they'll forfeit their own rights. I've said it before, again, I can't imagine flying anywhere or even getting on a plane, let alone looking at an airplane these days. But people are still doing it. They're still blindly doing it. Getting ill and wondering why. Because you're locked in a cabin with a bunch of jab people. I mean, let's face it, the awake unjabbed aren't flying because they know that it's dangerous for a variety of reasons. Even beyond the pilots who are jabbed to the bone, who are, who are dropping dead with regularity, but you're opening yourself up to all of this medical tyranny and actually getting ill as a result of being around the jabbed and all the shedding. It's astounding. It's just astounding. So here's another one from the Defender, childrenshealthdefense.org. Insurance industry execs alarmed by surge in deaths among young people, but stop short of blaming COVID shots. Of course they do. They don't want to believe it's the shots because they took them also. The subtitle says, according to Insurance News Net, Insurers are especially concerned by data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that show, quote, mortality rates alarmingly rising for different categories, unquote, including younger adult mortality rates that are up more than 20% above historic norms in 2023. Now, I did put this actual article from insurance, uh, I'm sorry, insurance news net.com up on gab again it's it's pretty straightforward you see the spike in death uh in particular among individuals i mean my god it's uh it's nine years old all the way to 54 year olds a, rem a remarkable spike including i i should add the elderly they're in here too but it says again young younger adult death rate up 20 percent that's college students. Doesn't that also mean that, well, we've seen a drop in uh, college attendance and college enrollment? And what's that thing, ladies and gentlemen, that all those colleges and universities did over the last two years? Hmm. What was that thing that they forced everybody to engage in in order to attend? And that happens to be the exact same time that this massive spike in death occurred. 
if you take these charts and you put them on top of each other, every single time the lines overlap. They're right on top of each other. At the exact moments in the calendar. Per year. Here's another one. This is from the expose. They always hit it out of the park. Government confirms shocking mortality rates per 100,000 among quadruple vaccinated compared to unvaccinated as CIA, Pentagon, and Rockefeller Foundation revealed as masterminds behind Daigle's 2025 depopulation forecast. It says the following, quote, In a world where reality often seems stranger than fiction, the machinations behind global events can be an enigma wrapped in mystery. One such intrigue involves, involves rather, around the Daigle Report, or Daigle.com, an obscure online entity known for its exhaustive, exhaustive data on military capabilities and eyebrow-raising depopulation forecasts for 2025. We can reveal that the recent findings appear to link Daigle directly to significant players on the world stage the Central Intelligence Agency, the U.S. Department of Defense, and the Rockefeller Foundation. Because, well, let's face it, those agencies want us dead. They always have. It says the current real-world data on deaths in the West, which includes figures on mortality rates per 100,000 showing the quadruple vaccinated are more likely to die of any cause than the unvaccinated strongly suggest Daigle's depopulation forecast is not just an estimation, but a fact. A target that is on track to be hit thanks to the deadly effects of the COVID-19 vaccination. And the person behind that is a Dr. Edwin A. Daigle Jr. And there you have it. It goes on and on. Again, they have letters here signed by Daigle himself. Uh, sent to Daigle from, again, the CIA, the Rockefeller Foundation, so on and so on. Not good. Two final things here, both having to do with the jabs. Um, first of all, conspiracy theorists were right again. As you heard me mention a long time ago, certainly publicly and on this show with regularity, jabbed blood is toxic. Jabbed blood is poisonous. You cannot donate jabbed blood, nor should you receive jabbed blood under any circumstance. Even Kim Carter has been on the show, which, by the way, I, I made a substack regarding her audio from from when she was terminated in the uh, in in Christ Hospital there at Select Medical Hospital inside Christ Hospital. You can check that out again if you're interested and share that around and move that along. But even she brought it up too. She was on the show and said, Sean, when you're taking blood out of these people who are jabbed, it's getting clogged in the tube before it even hits the bag. This is a Dr. David Cartland on Twitter. And yes, I'm calling it Twitter. He said, quote, blood transfusions, FOIA response or FOI response from the NHS Blood and Transfusion Service, damning evidence of lack of screening for mRNA vaccine contamination. They confirm that they don't screen for this. Then he said, where is their due diligence and evidence that it causes no harm to the unvaccinated? 
and then the document is right here. I'm going to read through this quickly here. Uh, it says, the, it's titled the following, NHS Blood and Transplant. This is from their head office in North Bristol Park in Bristol, UK. The date appears to be the 10th of August, 2023. And then uh, the person's name has been left out. But it says, regarding freedom of information request, it says, thank you for your request dated the 24th of July, 2023, for information from NHS Blood and Transplant, which is NHSBT, as stipulated below. It says, number one, please provide evidence to show that, that you, NHS, are now screening blood donations for possible contamination of any of the contaminants, or I'm sorry, contents of injectable experimental mRNA drugs. Number two, if you are not screening blood donations for contamination of experimental mRNA drugs, please provide independent, that is evidence not provided by the pharmaceutical companies that supply in experimental mRNA drugs or any organizations funded by pharmaceutical companies or organizations that profit or benefit in any way from the rollout of the experimental mRNA injectable drugs, evidence to show with 100% accuracy that no components or ingredients of the experimental injectable mRNA drugs have ever entered the bloodstream or lymphatic system of those injected with said drugs. That was their second request for their FOIA. Number three was based on the previous questions, can you provide any legal precedent and or evidence to show that the current NHS policy of insisting staff use contaminated via experimental mRNA injectable drugs, NHS stored blood for transfusion into a patient can override said patients, and then it has A through F, can override said patient's right to informed consent? right to absolute bodily autonomy, right to not receive experimental drugs via stealth, right to, free, right to be free from discrimination based on behalf or any other protected characteristic, right to the same bloodless surgery options as other protected groups, and finally, the right to be treated with dig dignity and respect under NHS's constitution. And it says again, under freedom of information, you're obliged to blah, 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 blah. It says, I can confirm that NHSBT does not hold the information you have requested. This is their response. Number one, NHSBT does not hold this information, they said. We do not screen blood donations for possible contaminations by any of the contents of injectable experimental mRNA drugs. Number two, NHSBT does not hold this information, they said again. We do not hold or have the data that would give 100% accuracy that no components or ingredients of the experimental injectable NRNA, mRNA drugs have ever entered the bloodstream or lymphatic system of those injected with said drugs. And number three, NHSBT does not hold this information. Per their third request, as per our duty under Section 16 of the FOIA, which is to provide advice and assistance, please see the link below for JPAC's position statement, which you may find helpful. If you are dissatisfied with your response, you can make another request and blah, 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 blah. Signed, 
a Dave Lockett Interim Deputy Senior Information Risk Officer. What a job. What a thankless job. But there you have it. One FOIA request. Do you know what's in the blood and is that blood being tested for being contaminated specifically from the jabbed before it enters a human being? Answer, no. Don't receive jab blood, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever you do, don't do it. Finally, there's this, and this is put out by the European Commission, the European Union, and all these other whack jobs. You've heard me with regularity, and I've gone through the documents on how they've, they're working very hard to engage in this psychological operation, not only against us, but against the messaging that we put out that is factual. For example, like that FOIA request that I just read. That's, that's a fact. But the European Union doesn't want you to know that that's a fact, even though it's coming directly from the source. So here's what they, of course, do. They call us conspiracy theorists, and we know this. This is from hashtag think before sharing. And this is their propaganda poster. It's titled Conspiracy Theories, The Link to COVID-19. It says, be warned, the COVID-19 pandemic has seen a rise in harmful and misleading conspiracy theories. It may be difficult to recognize them or know how best to deal with them. I'm going to keep reading this whole document, but again, it's just one poster. But remember, this is their plan. Their plan is to always counter any fact that, that finds its way to social media or, or any fact that finds its way to the mainstream, they ha- which is rare, but they have to do whatever they can to counter it. This is the war right here. It says, quote, COVID-19 is a disease caused by the most recently discovered coronavirus. Scientific evidence shows that coronaviruses generally originate from animals. The animal source for COVID-19 has not been confirmed yet, so says the WHO in 2020. It then says, uncertainty, fear, and and the complexity of the COVID-19 pandemic have fulfilled related conspiracy theories. I'm sorry, fueled. Well, they have fulfilled them, but (laughs) fueled is what it actually says. I can read, I promise. It says they attempt to explain why the pandemic happened and who is benefiting from it. And then in in bold black letters with a yellow background, it says, be careful. Conspiracy theories are deceptive. They ignore scientific evidence and falsely blame individuals and groups that are not responsible for the pandemic. Do not share them. And then it says this, what are the red flags? There's four of them, apparently. Number one, claims that the virus was artificially created, example, in a laboratory, by people with a specific interest. Example, reducing world population. They actually say that. Now again, if the enemy is saying that the claim isn't true, that means that the claim is true. Was it created in a laboratory? Yes. By people with a specific interest? Yes. Reducing world population? Yes. Number two, their second red flag, claims that the virus was spread intentionally or its natural spread artificially augmented to harm as many people as possible. Example, 
through 5G signals. <laughs> they actually admit it. They're openly admitting this. And there's proof of this. But they think that some dummy's just going to read this entire thing and blindly believe it because, well, it's coming from the WHO and the European Union. It's amazing. The third one claims that vaccines and cures are intentionally withheld to not disrupt the spread and to harm as many people as possible. Yes, that's been proven already. So we're three we're betting we're betting a thousand right now. We are three for three. Let's let's see if we can hit a grand slam. The fourth one claims that certain sanitary measures to counter the spread of the virus are used to intentionally harm or control society. Example, vaccines and masks. Yes. And we just batted a thousand. It says study results, and it has an, a finger pointing here. A global study of 28 countries revealed that more than 3 in 10 people surveyed believe that a foreign power or other force is deliberately causing the spread of the COVID-19 virus. So says Gallup International from March of 2020. It says, with thanks to Michael Butler, co-author of the Compact Guide to Conspiracy Theories, and John Cook and Stephen Lewandowski, every single time, authors of the Debunking Handbook and the Conspiracy Theory Handbook. It then says at the bottom from UNESCO, which again is a depopulation program through the UN, rely on verified information. When in doubt, don't share. Stop the spread. And then the European Commission is in the bottom right-hand corner. I can't believe that anybody would read that poster and actually believe it. But that, again, is the absolute gall of the enemy, telling you exactly what they're doing and then telling you that what they're doing is, in fact, a lie. No, 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 don't believe it. Don't believe that... Uh, Jabs kill people, 5G has something to do with it, that masks and shots are all about control, all of that's a lie. Meanwhile, look what's happening. Can't get clearer, ladies and gentlemen. It, 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 really, it really can't get any clearer. Uh, with that said, thanks for listening. Hope you did. That's, uh, that's Wednesday's episode. I will be back on Friday. And there you go. I'm going to upload this right now. And uh, yeah, you'll get it immediately. So take care. Peace. Catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.